Hey, my name's Adam, and I am the West Shore Campus Pastor here at Coastline Church on beautiful Vancouver Island. Welcome to our podcast. All the content that you will find here is meant to point you to Jesus and encourage you in your journey wherever it is that you find yourself. So thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the message. jump into the word, shall we? If you have your Bibles with you, you can turn your Bible to Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3, verse 5. I want to read a very small little verse here for you. Um, Actually, Titus chapter 3, verse 4 says these words. It says, but when the kindness and love of our God, of our God, of God, our Savior appeared, he saved us, not, not because of righteous things that we have done, Last, last week when we were here together, we were talking about righteousness and, and, and what that means. And if, and if you missed the service, we actually just started our own podcast. And so finally, you can catch up with us online. And so uh, you can find us at Coastline Church West Shore Podcast. <laughs> um, really, really catchy. And uh, that's how you can find us. And so, but we're on there. And so we talked about this idea of righteousness and how righteousness isn't so much about what we, what we do. And we use this uh, uh, ladder analogy. And oftentimes we get this mentality that Christianity works like a ladder. And if I can just try a little harder, be a little gooder, be a little better, a better version of myself, then that makes me more righteous and God might therefore like me more. And we talked about how that's not how God works. There's no such thing as a righteousness ladder. No such thing as a morality ladder. It doesn't, it doesn't work like that. And so if we look at this scripture verse, it says, but when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. And this morning I want to speak on the subject of God's mercy. And if you're taking notes, this is where you would write title, God is merciful. And if you're an underliner in your Bible, I would encourage you to underline that word, mercy, Because mercy is a very interesting concept. What does it mean to even be merciful? See, if we were to describe somebody as merciful, what we'd be noticing is that that particular person shows a a, a level of kindness and forgiveness to others. A person who is merciful shows kindness and forgiveness to others. In other words, a merciful God And I didn't grow up going to church, and I can assure you of this. I did not consider God to be a merciful God. I didn't think that was even how it worked. But if God is merciful, it means that he's a God who shows kindness and forgiveness to humankind. And we talked about this last week, about this idea of how we're not made righteous by the things that we do. We're made righteous by the things that Jesus did. Gosh, Awkward. So you can't actually talk about righteousness without talking about mercy. Jesus makes us righteous because of his merciful nature. And this is what I've observed in the scriptures as, as, as I read the Bible. What I've come to realize is that when, when you're motivated by love, kindness is an overflow. When you're motivated by love, forgiveness is an overflow. When you're motivated by love, mercy is an overflow. Consider uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 to 5. It says these words. Look what it says. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, 
rich in kindness and forgiveness. Made us alive with Christ when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. So just think about that verse and what it communicates. But because of his great love for us, and somebody in here, you may need to hear those words. Jesus actually loves you. He looks at you and he loves you. Because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, God who is rich in good uh, kindness and forgiveness, let those words shape your view of God. He made us alive in Christ. You see, mercy leads to life. Kindness leads to life. Forgiveness leads to life. When we were dead in our transgressions, when we were buried in our sin, when we were heavy-hearted, when we were filled with shame, God's mercy made a way for us. And it's by grace that we've been saved. You see, God's, God's mercy is actually, it's the, it's, it's the most beautiful attribute because it speaks this idea of personal transformation. I am no longer who I was because of the mercy and grace of God. Not only do we receive mercy from God, but as Christians, we're actually called to extend mercy. And this is where I want to camp with you today. Luke chapter 6, verse 36 says these words. You see, there, there's no way around it. It's not just God's merciful. God actually calls us to be merciful as well. It says in Luke chapter 6, verse 36, be merciful just as your father is merciful. And that's Jesus talking. And this is so important. And it's important because mercy is a picture of heaven on earth. Follow this example. Okay, listen to these words. If we can learn to be merciful, it means that we have learned how to forgive. And if we have learned how to forgive, it means that we have learned how to love those who have hurt us. And if we have learned how to love those who have hurt us, it means that we have learned how to be free. And if we've learned how to be free, it means that we can start to live the life that we were created to live. This is how Jesus makes us alive in Christ. It doesn't all just happen like bam out of nowhere. There's an element of process and there's an element of involvement that we, we take in that picture as well. Mercy always leads to life. So what does it look like? Like, like why, why would this be so important for us? How do we be merciful just as our Father is merciful? And to understand that, we need to actually back that particular paragraph up in Luke chapter 6. And, and I'm going to be honest with you. What, I, what I'm about to preach this morning, it might be hard to swallow. In fact, it, it's, it's one of those, this is one of those sermons that is, it, it, it's easy to hear, but it's hard to live out. In fact, many of us, if I can be so bold, 
have listened to what I'm about to read in this Bible. We've listened to it, and we've chosen to ignore it. And that's not okay. Because what happens when we do that, we, we cut ourselves short. We, we disobey God. We, we walk in rebellion. And we justify it as if we know better than Jesus. Don't ever do that. It's wrong. And, and in verse 27, Jesus, what he does is he, he addresses the crowd. And it's as though he's saying, he's like, yo, 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 because Jesus says, yo. He says, you, you want a picture of mercy? This is how extreme my love is. In fact, this is the example I'm going to set for you. This is how the church will change the world. Extreme, unearned, unwarranted love and mercy. This is what it says in verse 27. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. See, there's, there, is, there is a difference between listening and hearing. Any parents in this room knows what I'm talking about. All the married people in this room are like, oh, yeah, okay, I know what you're talking about. You can hear me, but you're not listening to me. And it's one thing to hear instructions, and it's another thing to go and apply those instructions. It's one thing to hear it. It's, one th it's another thing to actually listen and, and, and do it. And, and Jesus says to those who are listening, he says, to those who are paying attention, he says, listen, guys and girls, we need to go deeper. He says, love your enemies and hate those, I mean, and opposite, he didn't say that. So love your enemies and do good, do good to those who hate you. You see, what Jesus does here is he actually challenges the church to reframe the way they see the world. Jesus is setting a, he's setting a new standard for his disciples. He's setting a new standard for his followers. And what he's saying, he's saying, that, listen, it's not okay to just start, just keep avoiding your enemies. Because that's how we do. That's what we do. We just try and avoid them. And if we can avoid our enemies, we call it good Christian living. Jesus, he's setting a new standard here. He's saying the Christian example of love and mercy is far more extreme than you realize. What he's saying, he's saying, you want to you wanna go as a church and impact the world? Well, you need to then, you need to stop loving only the cute sheep. And you need to start loving that sheep that keeps charging you every time you step in the pen. You see, we as a church, this is what I've noticed about us, is we tend to glamorize the story of Jesus leaving the 99 to go and save the one. And we preach that hard. And we're like, yeah, Jesus, go save the one, yeah. And we get that story from Jesus' perspective. But we don't often speak that story from the sheep's perspective. Because sometimes, let's be honest, the one is a pain in the neck. 
And sometimes the one being off and doing his own thing actually makes the lives of the 99 much better. <laughs> and so therefore, we kind of get okay with there being a one out there because we got the 99 of us. Look, this room is already full. We're doing pretty good. But what Jesus is saying is like, no, 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 no. This is not how this is going to work. Christianity isn't about having an easier life. Christianity is about loving the lost. And he's like, I'm going to show you how to do this. Because I don't think you get it. This is how you do this. This is how you be the 99 and make a difference in the world. Verse 28. He says, bless those who curse you. And pray for those who mistreat you. I love how counterintuitive that thought is. It speaks to the upside-down nature of how God works, of how heaven functions. The Bible teaches all sorts of these types of paradoxes. The last will be first. Strength is found in weakness. Love when everyone else hates. Bless those who curse. Pray for those who mistreat you. You see, culture says to counteract evil with evil. It's an eye for an eye. You punch me, I'm going to punch you, and I'll punch you harder. But what Jesus does is something totally different. He says the way we counteract evil is love. See, next, next what Jesus does is he uses an extreme example to make his point. And you've probably heard this preached before. Verse 29, he says these words. He says, look, listen, listen to this. He says, if someone slaps you on the cheek, turn to them the other one also. And if someone takes your coat, don't withhold your shirt from them. See, don't get hung up on, the, on this particular illustration. I've literally heard this, this, this passage preached so many different ways. But listen to what the theme is of this entire paragraph. Because the theme paints a picture and the message is clear. As a Christian, we need to learn to love so radically that we surprise those who are trying to hurt us. This model of ministry isn't glamorous. This model of ministry isn't fun. But this model of ministry will crack even the hardest of hearts. Who's going to reach our enemies? We are. I used to teach Alpha the Alpha course in, in actually a woman's prison when we were living in Alberta. And, and I, I, I witnessed one of the most powerful testimonies ever. I saw as one of the jailers who worked at the prison, I saw as he, his heart began to open to the power of the gospel, as he witnessed the transformation in these women's lives who attended the course. He wasn't supposed to love them. 
but something happened in that room. As these broken, angry, hurting ladies began to hear the power of the gospel, and as they began to turn their lives to Christ, and as they began to become forgiving, and as they began to become loving, there was a little heart love revolution happening in the middle of that prison. And the people who were, who were tasked to keep them there saw that God was moving. If you see your enemy as an opponent, it's hard to see them as your brother. If you see your brother as an enemy, it's hard to see them as your brother. Jesus, what he does is he unpacks this concept even further with another example in verse 30. What he says here is he says, give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not even demand it back. Imagine living your life with both an open heart and open palms. You see, Jesus isn't asking us to do anything that he didn't do himself. He modeled this mindset for us by dying on a cross. And this is, this is his simple advice for us. This is his, his strategy that he, that he communicates to help us live this kind of way of life. You want a practical way to preach the gospel? It's found in verse 31. It says, do to others what you would have them do to you. It's that simple. That's not easy. But it is simple. And sometimes I look at church and I ask myself, what are we doing? Have we, have we missed it? Have we tried to just create a gathering of like-minded people? Or are we, are, we, are we gonna actually go out there and change the world? When in doubt, what Jesus does is he concludes by asking three, three questions to help you define mercy. In verse 32, he asks question one. And he says, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And that's a great question for all of us. If we take a, a, a mental tally, I won't ask anyone to raise their hand. <laughs> but just take a mental tally. Do we love people? Or do we only love those who love us? You see, what mercy does is mercy enables us to love wider. Mercy isn't just God's job, it's our job. Mercy isn't just my job as a pastor, it's our job as Christians. We need to, we need to figure this out. It's not easy, it's not clean, and it's going to be messy, and it's going to be awkward. But I can assure you of this, it's going to be worth it. Mercy enables us to love wider. Jesus follows up with another question. This question's in verse 33. He says, and if you do good, so if you're only going to do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even, even sinners do that. 
If you do good to those who do good to you, that's just kind of like a transaction. <laughs> you're just kind of like repaying somebody for a gift. You're just, you're just, you're just doing what everybody else does. And oftentimes in the church, we high five ourselves because we're being good to those who do good. But mercy, what mercy does is it enables us to love deeper. <laughs> deeper than just doing what everybody else does. And we all have like that one guy who works with us. The guy you want to kind of punch in the neck, but you won't ever say it, but you think it. Just stab him with your fork after you're done lunch and you feel great. Just kidding. I have, it's like a counseling session right now. <laughs> Got that one guy in my work. Oh, just kidding. Just kidding. Well, we all have that kind of a person. COVID, COVID has done a great job of dividing the church. Culture has done a great job of, of, of pitting person against person. My right versus your right. You're violating my rights. You're violating me. I'm feeling violated. I'm angry. I'm going to stand up. And we we got we to process how do we live in this. And Jesus gives us a paradigm here. He gives us a way to live this out. He, he saw this moment as a culture thousands of years before we got here. And what he wrote applied then and what he wrote applies now, verse 34, he asks his last question. And if you lend to those from who you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. You see, what mercy does is it, is it enables us to love without strings attached. We love strings. We don't publicly admit it, but we love helping people when there's a little bit of it, something in it for us. And that's not actually bad. But what Jesus is getting at here, if that's the only way we love, we're, we're, we're selling ourselves short. There's actually more. Let me... Let me close with this thought. Jesus, he comes and he summarizes everything in verse 35. And I am very much aware that what I'm about to say is easier said than done. But I assure you, if, if we can figure this out, we will experience the blessing of God in ways that we didn't think were possible. If we as church can figure this out, we will experience the blessing of God, I assure you. It says in verse 35, love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Friends, we need a revelation of the Father's love this morning. And this is why. Because what God is asking you to do for your enemies is exactly what he did for us when we were his enemy. That's the plot twist! 
That's where Jesus is trying to get at. He's not painting this impossible picture that can't be done. He's painting a picture that was already done. He did that for everybody. And as he's standing there and he's telling his disciples how to love, he knew it was going to take his life. And when he was standing there and telling his disciples how to love and they were rolling their eyes back, you want us to love our enemies? The ones who are persecuting us? The ones who are against us? You want us to reach out to them? I don't think so. And Jesus that whole time had full knowledge of exactly what it was that he was saying. We were once God's enemy. It says, be merciful just as your father is merciful. He did it for us. We got to do it for others. Everything comes full circle. And I want to take the next few minutes and pray together. Because in order to express the mercy like God, you need to receive mercy from God. In order to, to love like God loves, you need to receive his love first. He will show you how to do it. In a room of this size, I know some of you have walked through some very painful things. But I know that Jesus can walk you through it. You see, what we don't understand is there actually is freedom when we forgive. I can assure, I can assure you I was not going to share this next piece. But I was, I was sexually abused as a kid. I pretended that it didn't happen for so many years because I thought that is how I was going to survive it. But then when I, when I learned that me holding this anger inside of me was only impacting me and not them, and I wanted it to hurt them, when I realized it was only impacting me, that's when God showed me that there is freedom in forgiveness. It didn't mean what that guy did to me was okay, but it meant that I didn't have to be the victim anymore. And I was able to let it go. And then you slowly learn what it looks like to love your enemies. And you slowly learn what it looks like to be more like Christ. And if God can love them, God can love you. And so I want to just pray two prayers today. One, I want to pray for those in here who need to receive the mercy of God. And you're sitting here and you think, I have done some unspeakable things. And I want to be free. I want to experience love. 
I want to know Jesus like the way you're describing Jesus. You can know him. Can I ask everyone to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment? If you would like to experience the love of God, to receive his mercy, would you raise your hand for a second? I'd love to pray with you. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you're real. And I pray for each person in this room who just lifted up their hand. Lori, off, off the top, Lord, we want to say sorry. Sorry for the things that we've done that have separated us from you. Father, forgive us for putting our ways ahead of your ways. Forgive us for, for, forgive us for the dumb stuff we've done in our past. But thank you that you're real. Thank you that you're here. Thank you that you're a God of mercy. Thank you that when you died on the cross, you died for me. That you came because you loved me and you had a plan for me. Would you please come and fill me with your presence, oh God? Fill me with your love. Fill me with your mercy. Help me to love others the way that you love others. Lord, where I've been angry and hurt and unforgiving, Lord, would you soften my heart and make me more like Christ? Jesus, I need you. Amen. And next, I want to pray for those. If you have enemies in your life and you've been avoiding them, let's pray for a revelation of God's love there. That he can transform our hearts and, and, and transform our lives. Let's pray for a miracle in that regard. In fact, maybe I'll ask you to all stand as we pray this prayer together. With eyes closed and humble hearts, Lord, we pray for a revelation of your love today. God, that we be a church that loves people the way you love people that we be a church that, that, that loves radically. God, would you soften our hearts? Would you break our hearts for the things that break yours? Would you help us to see people the way you see people? Would you help us to love the way you love? God, would you give us, would you give us your mercy so that we can express mercy? Would you show us what that means? Would you help us to be a church that's kind-hearted, that's authentic and humble? Would you help us to be a church that's a forgiving church, a church that's committed recklessly for, for reconciliation and, and, and moving forward and unity and togetherness? Jesus, we need you. So God, where our pride gets in the way, 
where our, our hurts get in the way, maybe our experience or our story or the way that we were raised. God, help us to be kingdom-minded. Help us to love as you love and to, and to be people of mercy. In your name we pray.